you're listening to a Big MX Radio Podcast. Brought to you by Arma Energy. Presented by Fly Racing, W Wheels, Bill's Pipes, Just One Helmets, X-Brand Goggles, Shades of Grey Custom Helmet Painting, Rhino Power Sports Supplements, Roy Borton Suspension, Watts Perfections, and Golden Tire. Simply the best, motocross and supercross news from around the globe. And now, here's your host, Brad Gephardt. Welcome to the Arma Energy Drink Big MX Radio Podcast Show, brought to you by Fly Racing, W Wheels, x Goggles, Bills Pipes, and Just One Helmets. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt, and with me on the line, none other than Sean Culp. Sean, uh, you're a uh, motocross enthusiast. Many might not know your name, but uh, if they paid attention to social media enough as far as motocross goes, they must have seen the number four out there somewhere along the lines. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, thanks, Brad. Uh, well, you know, I'm a 51-year-old uh, vintage motocross racer. I started when I was four. I was a, I was a test rider for Cycle News uh, at, at age four. My dad was the editor, so I kind of had a, a shoe in there. Yes. Uh, my first, uh, my first uh, test ride was a, was a 1970 JT1 Mini Enduro, which was a really cool bike that I kept, and I raced for about two years after the test. Um, so I, I've been around for a long time, and I've raced a lot of different places. I grew up in Southern California, racing at Saddleback, Carlsbad, Corona, OCIR, Ascot, Indian Dunes. And I uh, and I, I stopped racing in 1986 due to a real bad accident at, at Indian Dunes at the Shadow Glen track, riding the 85 CR500. I I uh, flipped a double and ruptured my spleen, and uh, I kind of was in the hospital for a while and put the kibosh on uh, on racing. And I, you know, it was something I really thought I would be doing, you know, the rest of my life. I didn't think I'd have a 25 year hiatus and come back to it, which is pretty remarkable in itself after you know having a family and then you know going back to your passion. And uh, nowadays, I just race constantly you know it's almost every other weekend or every weekend from southern california to arizona where i live i live in scottsdale arizona so it's good weather here around the clock uh, a little hot in the summer but it makes you a better rider i'll tell you that no. i uh I, I follow a lot of armor races i go to you know all the way to diamond dons every year and it's uh, it's just a great passion and a lot of good people Awesome. So uh, it's it's amazing to hear someone who uh, grew up in the hotbed of motocross, uh, right in the crosshairs of uh, Osho, um, Jim Hawley, uh, Rick Johnson. All all of those names come come to mind. The uh, the Bob Hannas of the world. There, these guys were pretty much in your backyard, and starting at such a young age, you would have seen a lot of them. Um, just in inter- interactions with the community and uh and that that's really cool um once you once you came back to moto um like what really what 
sprung it back? Like what, what made you want to uh, come back and, and, and uh, was it just a little bit at first and then all of a sudden swept away as most of us do or how'd that happen? Well, you know, my wife, my wife who, who met me during my racing career when I was 17 and 18 years old, you know, basically we got set up on a blind date with another rider's girlfriend. And we were racing at Saddleback, and our first date was basically a Saturday afternoon at Saddleback. So uh, she kind of, you know, she kind of thought I was a little bit nuts going back to racing after what I went through, rupturing my spleen and internal bleeding and all that stuff. Uh, but she knew I was a racer from the get-go, so she respected where I was coming from. I did race cars. I raced NASCAR, some fast and trucks, and, uh, and some Winston West, Southwest Tour. Um for about five years. And I, you know, that was in early or, or late 99 and early 2000s. And I, and I always loved to race motorcycles, but I just, you know, something inside me said, no, gosh, I don't know if I should, I should try that. I had a business and I had a family and I really was really kind of taken back and always thinking, well, gosh, if I get off, I'm going to, I know me, I'm going to ride hard no matter, as soon as I kick that thing over, you know, I can't just line up and just go ride. That's just not my mentality. So it was a slow process to, to, uh, really answer your question. I started riding, um, a friend of mine was a, a dirt tractor and he said, why don't you, you know, build a dirt tractor and come out and let's ride, you know, some little, you know, short tracks. So I did that and I, kind of gradually gradually got into racing half miles and then I raced the Sacramento mile and then you know it was just an explosion I was like wow this is great I'm loving it we raced the Eddie Mulder series the vintage uh, Eddie Mulder series and it was just a great time and I said you know I gotta start riding moto again I just love when the gate drops and you know it, it's you and the motorcycle and you just you do your thing so when I started to come back, I rode a, a 650, a, a 1967 Rickman uh, Triumph 650, and uh, a big old heavy, heavy lug. I figured I, I'm not going to go that fast. I'm not going to be able to get hurt. Uh, but that thing had more powers, like driving a John Deere. You know, I mean, it just had the torque, and it was oh, it was so much fun. I just fell back in love with racing moto, and it just progressed from there. As it usually does, like um, I, from from my 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 experience with motocross, it was a very slow introduction. I was a hockey kid. Uh, Dad bought a bike with without even really asking me, and all of a sudden, uh, um, through like slow progression and learning things on the bike and going a little bit faster, a little bit faster, um, the the love dries itself nice and deep, and it sticks with you. Um, why, uh, like, I guess you should be explaining it a little bit there with, with why going to vintage moto. It's a little bit safer. The tracks are tamed down. They're meant uh, to replicate the tracks of old. The, the, they didn't have the big gap jumps and stuff like that. Um, but uh, how did you end up uh, landing on the, on the bikes that uh, you currently uh, ride on? Well, you know, I, I, I went from my 650 or 750 uh, Rickman Triumph to uh, – a Husqvarna because that was like the hot ticket. It seemed like a lot of fast guys were riding, uh, 73, 74 CR 400 Huskies or, 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 uh, 74, 250 mag in the classes that I was running, you know, riding in. And 
I figured, well, you know, that's a lighter bike for one, and let's let's find one and build it and go from there. And so, you know, I always liked tinkering with bikes and building bikes and had a passion for doing that, and I really always took care of my stuff racing when, in my early age. And um, I started riding the Huskies, but it would seem like I'd win and then I'd break, and I'd win and then I'd break. And, you know, when you're riding the, the expert class, uh, in the, you know, sportsman 500 class or, or, uh, or that you, I mean, there's a certain amount of, uh, I, I would say a little, uh, uh you, you want to go as fast as you can all the time. And when you break a lot, it really kind of takes you off. You know, you're like, what the heck is going on? And I had this, this 74, 400 that would just constantly just give me a headache all the time. So, um, I looked around and I figured, you know, there's a couple fast guys on some CZs and I'm thinking I'm going to jump to a CZ. They're like bulletproof. And you know what? They were right. When they told me, you know, you're not going to be able to break this bike. They were right. The, the, the Husky, it seemed like I broke all the time, got rid of both of those that I had and jumped on a CZ and built it to my liking. And that bike is absolutely bulletproof. I mean, a 73, uh, CZ 400 lead valve motor, work shocks, uh, race tech up front, and it's like riding uh, a, a bike that was from the early 80s. That's that's how I kind of, you know, I know it only has four inches of travel, but the power and the two-stroke and just the whole nine yard, that bike is just awesome. So that's pretty much how I kind of went from one to the other. And then, you know, I always liked four strokes being raised in my, my Rickman. Uh, and I had an old frame that was an old Holman frame for an HL uh, 500. And I decided to build that bike up. And um, I love riding that bike now. You know, it's, it's everywhere it goes. It gets a lot of pub. It gets a lot of uh, magazine exposure. And my HL, my Yamaha HL 500 is just an awesome bike. I like riding that thing. Hundred percent. No, it's, it seems like uh, you really landed on something that uh, that performs well for you. Um, all too often, like uh, when someone gets into vintage moto, it's because uh, they're um, machine savvy. They they know their way around a garage and they like working on the damn things. Uh, but uh, you seem to have found something that uh, you, you don't have to work on quite so much, but uh, still gives you a lot of enjoyment. Um, oh. What are some of the other bikes that uh, friends of yours have that uh, they're they're finicky, they're hard to work on, uh, and uh, um, specifically the getting parts for these things must be difficult as well. Well, you know, I see a lot of guys. You know, I race in a in a, in a club ABDRA here in Arizona, and there's a lot of guys that ride CZs, and there's a lot of guys that ride Makos, uh, some Boltacos, and you know, one thing that I like is a bike that's going to start when I kick it over. You know, it might, it might take four times when I pull it out of my, my, my van, but, uh, once it gets warmed up, I can kick that bike over first kick and be going. I love that. The Husky, I always had an issue. I see my friends struggle with, with Makos and with Boltacos starting them, uh, carburation problems. It's just like all the time. I have one friend in particular, Ed Cavanaugh, 
good friend, good rider, expert rider, and he's got a Mako, and boy, does he have trouble starting. And I just feel bad for him on the line sometimes when it dies, and he's got to restart, and he's kicking it 40 times. You know, I just can't deal with that. My knees are, my knees aren't perfect. And, you know, you don't want to waste a bunch of energy trying to start your bike. So the, the CZ, the check bike, seems like it's the ticket. And, you know, my, my Hallman's the same way. Uh, I've had to troubleshoot that thing, though, and and, and uh, I went with the high dollar, putting an electronic ignition in there, thinking, oh, this is going to be the way to go. And it, it, it failed me while leading a race at Mammothus last year in the vintage race. And it just, uh, you know, I went back to points after that, but it cost me a, a, a good top three finish in, in a prestigious race. And, you know, so bikes that, that break a lot are really agonizing to the rider that wants to get out there and just haul butt all the time. And that's, you know, kind of my mentality. It's like all or nothing. Well, when it comes to, to hauling butt, um, we're all racers. And uh, you can you can go ahead and uh, chalk vintage racing up as maybe not as aggro as uh, the 250F class in, in, in Supercross or Motocross. But uh, you're all still racers. Uh, once the gate drops, all like it, it's uh, it's every man for himself. Is do you get some some aggressive riding out there? Are there some guys that take it a little bit too seriously? Uh, what what's the feel once uh, the gate drops and you're uh, out there enjoying yourself? Well, I'll tell you, you know, um, racing all over the country like I do, I find um, just about every race track that I go to is the same. You, if you're racing in an expert class on a vintage bike, four-inch travel bike, there's guys that are going to want to kick your butt no matter where you go. You've got a target on your back, and especially if you put yourself out there. I put myself out there just because I love moto, and I, I, I really like having a good time, and a lot of people know who I am on the West Coast just because I'm out at all the races. Well, that being said, you know, you got a big target. Everybody's aiming at you. So, yeah, there's, there's guys that are, I mean, everybody wants to win. Everybody wants to take home the, the $4 trophy at the end of the day. That's the bottom line. That's the only reason we go. We're not making money. I mean, our racing careers, are, our ships have sailed, per se. You know, we do it because we love it. But, you know, nobody's going to give an inch. There's some, sometimes, you know, people are, 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 will be a little hesitant. Uh, but you know, when the gate drops, I think everybody's on the, on the same playing field. Everybody, everything's even, you know, it's go for broke in the majority of the races that I race in. And, you know, you get your butt, butt whipped or you, you, you whip their butt. That's just the way it is. Wow. It's, it's cool to see a guy that's going to like basically, yeah, across the nation, uh, taking in these races and, uh, yeah, just, uh, kick, kicking butt while doing it. Um, the reason why I had you on the podcast is that I thought I thought that you'd have some time to to chat while you were were down uh, with a bit of an injury, uh, not really a bit of an injury, quite a severe one. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, what all, what all went wrong with uh, the ankle and uh, what the uh, recovery seems to uh, be looking like. You had a uh, external fixator on there for a little while. looked uh, looked pretty pretty gruesome. Yeah, it was pretty gruesome. Well, I'll tell you, you know, I. I uh... A lot of my bros that I raced with back in the day still ride moto today, and most of them ride modern bikes. And they were always telling me, Sean, you got to get a modern bike and at least cruise with us. We can go race some big races, stay in the dirt, we'll go to Mammoth, we'll go have a great time. 
you know, just get a modern bike. And I was, I was very hesitant at first. I was like, I don't want to get a modern bike because then I know where I'm going to go with it. I'm going to go start doubling and tripling stuff. And, you know, at 51 years old, it, it, you're not 20 anymore. Your recovery isn't, uh, you know, two weeks and you're back at it. Um, so I, I, I got a 2015 YZ450F. I got it all perfect. Everything was the way I wanted it. And my good buddy, Sean Kalos, ex-pro that raced the world, yes, sir. Uh, he and I practiced a lot together. And, uh, you know, we were out practicing, and I was practicing with him and, and another uh, couple kids that were, oh, one was 17. I think Cole Zitterkoff is, is 17, and I think uh, uh, another kid was 20. And we were doing you know, doubling stuff. We were practicing. That's what we were doing. We were just kind of going through the motions just constantly. And I'd been doing that for about six weeks straight, just trying to get acclimated to a new modern bike. And there was an uphill triple, uh, that, uh, I, everybody was hitting and I was like, well, I can hit that. And I just landed short, just not knowing the bike the way I should have, but I tested myself and I, and I lost. That's basically how I put it, you know, I mean, uh, the bike beat me and I, you know, I'm bummed about it, but at the same time, I'm not bad at all. I mean, it's like, Hey, I put myself at risk the minute I started that bike and I, uh, I cased it pretty hard. I snapped my ankle, went over the bars, got a concussion, uh, took a little dirt nap and I woke up and, you know, everybody was asking me if I was all right, which I didn't even know what had happened for about 45 minutes. Uh, there was a 45 minute time frame that I didn't even have a clue what happened, you know, so it was a good whack. Uh, thank you, JT helmets, uh, for giving me a good helmet because it was a brand new helmet and I whacked it pretty good with the custom paint job. I was going to say, I'm mad the worst part is the paint job, man. The worst part is the paint job. That, that thing was beautiful. Yeah, I know the paint job. Tim Barte is uh, my bro in, in SoCal, Lake Elsinore, and he painted that helmet for me, and it was just beautiful. It still is beautiful. There's just one little dinger on it. But, it, you know, that's a trophy case deal now, so I, I don't have a problem with it. But, uh, you know, I, I, I broke my ankle, and I went to the, they took me to the hospital, uh, and the doctor uh, said, well, we're going to have surgery in 12 hours. He came back in about six and said, we're going to be another 12 hours. By that time, it was a balloon. And he said, you know, it'd probably be best if I shipped you to a hospital close to your house. And at that point, I was about, oh, 80 miles away from my house. So I said, okay. So they transported me to another hospital. And I got my, my uh, orthopedic surgeon, who is a great young orthopedic surgeon. And he came in and looked at it. And uh, I went straight into surgery. And he put a external fixator, which is like a halo, on my ankle. And I had that on for four yeah. weeks. And I just got it off last Thursday and had surgery to repair it because the swelling was so bad. They just kept telling me, Hey, it's got to go down. It's got to go down. But you know, as a, as a rider, as a, as a bike builder and as a husband and a, and a father to be on your back for four weeks in bed with your foot elevated will absolutely the worst kind of injury possible, the worst kind of injury possible. You know, it's just, you can't move. It's just such a pain. So I'm, I'm blessed that I, I'm, I'm, I was able to, to, to be on my back and not have it affect my life too terribly bad. I'm, I guess I'm lucky in that sense. But, uh, now that I'm through surgery, I'm on the road to recovery and I'm, 
I'm actually going to the doctor tomorrow, and hopefully they take off this soft cast and they put on a, uh, a another boot, and then in probably four to six weeks, I might be able to put some pressure on it, and I'll be back soon enough. Well, that's good to hear that you'll be uh, you're on the road to recovery, and that uh, sounds like a gnarly wreck, man. It uh, you might be better served to uh, to st- stick with the vintage machines this uh, from this point forward. <laughs> Yeah, I've heard that from all everybody except my SoCal bros that say, "Hey, you got to come back to Mammoth. We got to ride the you know the, the 50 Expert class again. We got to go do that." Of course, like, yeah. Uh, we'll see. Of course, yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm a vintage guy, so I, I got to stay off that modern oh, bike. No. Plus, uh, your your two modern or your two vintage bikes are absolutely gorgeous. Uh, yeah, they get all kinds of attention everywhere you go in that Sprinter van of yours, all black, which I got to imagine is hot in the summertime, uh, being in, in Arizona. <laughs> but uh, I, I noticed that uh, you went with an all yellow motif for your. Uh, your two, your 450. Um, is it safe to say that uh, in your heart, Yamahas are yellow? Absolutely. I mean, there's only there's only uh, three colors a Yamaha should be, and they should all be the same, which is uh, yellow, black, and white. That's just the. There you, you go. Know, that's how I grew yeah. up. My my first YZ80 was that color. Kenny Roberts, you know. I mean, Hannah. I mean, uh, Brock Lover. I mean, that's that's where I'm coming from. They weren't blue. Nothing was. Nothing blue. was blue. Yeah, I, 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 I can. Only, I imagine the only reason why they went to the blue was to differentiate from uh, from Suzuki. Uh, but uh, in my in my eyes, they're they're yellow, or they're they've always been yellow uh, up here in Canada. They were white and red for a short period of time. But uh, no, the the uh, the YZs as we call them are are, are yellow machines and uh, and should stay so. Uh, with of course with the sixty year anniversary, uh, I'm waiting for one year that they uh, they go yellow and stick that way. Absolutely. I'm so glad that, the, you know, they did it at uh, a couple of the nationals and it's just, you know, the 60th anniversary of Yamaha and, and motocross and, and, uh, you know, that's their color. They got to wave it. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, your vintage racing and uh, some of the events that we, you've hit uh, in the past and some of your favorite ones. But before we do that, we got to take care of some commercials. We'll be right back with, um, Sean Culp on the Big MX Radio Podcast Show. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Jared Steinke, and we're going to commercial. We'll be right back. If there's one item to be picky about, it's choosing the right helmet. I'm Andrew Short, and I choose the F2 Carbon from Fly Racing. You, too, can wear the exact same helmet I wear, Trey Kennard wears, Jimmy Albertson wears, and many others. The F2 Carbon is a helmet loaded with details that make a huge difference in comfort and safety. Lightweight materials, phenomenal airflow, and a super comfortable, sweat-absorbing liner and generous eye port design to accommodate any goggle choice or just a few. And did I mention how super trick these helmets look? Straight off the shelf and onto the racetrack. If you are looking for one amazing helmet, look no further than the F2 Carbon from Fly Racing. For more information about Fly Helmets and other products from Fly Racing, visit them on the web at flyracing.com. What's wrong, Jeff? I don't know, Jay. Well. You better fuel up with a nutritious breakfast with Oats and Bran. Oats and Bran? I didn't think there was such a thing. That's what I used to think. Now, I start out every morning with a bowl of Amigos. For extreme kids like us. X-Racing Man. But more than box, what Big Jeff likes is a fat bowl. Amigos with Bran. Fat bowl. Amigos with Bran. Oats for power. Bran's for speed. Who that tastes? 
ALBs, and it goes. That's what I call fueling for the big ride. Hey, kids, start out every morning with a fat ball. When it comes to helmets, there is just one. The helmet brand, that is. Just One Helmets is tailor-made for motocross and street bike riding, and now available in North America. Who chooses Just One? Well, for starters, Tim Geiser, winner of the Italian round in MX2, David Philipparts, Vicky Golden, Trevor Reese, as well as David Pulley. And you know what? So do I. I choose Just One Helmets because they are simply the safest, lightest, and most comfortable lid available. Want to know more about Just One Helmets? Check them out on the web at www.justonehelmets.com. Find out about the J12, the J32, and all of the colorways that are absolutely blow your socks off. So guys, please head over to www.justonehelmets.com today. Go check them out. You won't be disappointed. Stronger than steel. So what that means is it can move much faster. 2014 X-Brand Goggles is back and better than ever. From the X, Volcano, and Phantom Goggle, X-Brand has the product to make you stand out on race day. The quality of X-Brand products is second to none. Great lenses, incredible frame, and a strap that doesn't wear out. Great tear-offs, zip-off systems, nose guard, and more. Check out eksbrand.com for all of the accessories and pricing. WUSA is your one-stop shop for quality wheel sets in America. All of the best components built for the toughest conditions. Hit up wusa.com that's D-U-B yausa.com right now and check out the custom wheel builder selection. Pick your rims, pick your hubs, pick your spokes, even pick your nipples and see what it's going to look like on your bike. On the website you'll drool over components like XL and DID rims, Talon and Kite aluminum hubs, Galfer and Brembo brakes, and spokes that take a licking and keep on ticking. The same wheels that you buy are built by the same guys we're building wheels for Ryan Dungey, Jeremy Martin, Chad Reed, and the entire Geico Honda team. And I kid you not, if they are not told whose wheels are whose, they just build amazing product. And I want you guys in a set of W wheels. So do what I did and head to WBYAUSA.com today. WUSA, all things wheels. What's up guys? It's time to talk a little bit about Roy Borden Race. He's the performance specialist. Suspension, making a motor work, balancing a bike, or just maintenance. He's got the tools and know-how to make sure that your bike is ready on race day or practice. Roy Borden has strength in years of experience and the best technology and best tools at his disposal. Whether you're getting your forks redone, seals, or a full, full-blown rebuild on your forks or, or shock. Call up Roy Borton today at 
home of legendary performance. Since 1974, Bill's Pipes has been providing motocross and off-road riders the performance they need. Two-stroke or four-stroke, Bill's Pipes has the exhaust system for you. In recent years, we've seen a resurgence of the Bill's Pipes brand, and that's great news. And that's great news for motocross racers everywhere. For four-strokes, Bill's Pipes brings the RE13 to dominate the fight on any brand. For you two-stroke guys, the MX2 Bill's Pipes exhaust system is the right one for the job and comes in works, nickel, and the all-new cone look finish that'll turn heads all day long. Head to Bill'sPipes.com right now and get the same pipe used by Billy Leninovich, Vicky Golden, the JMR Suzuki team, Jesse Pierce, Nico Izzy, and David Cole. Bill's Pipes is craftsmanship at its finest. So go with Bill's Pipes and never settle. And we're back. Big MX Radio Podcast Show brought to you by X-Brand Goggles and Fly Racing. I'm your host, Brad Gebhardt, as always, still on the line with Sean Culp. Sean, uh, you said you go all over the world or all over North America uh, with your bikes and doing different events. What are some of your favorite events that you like to hit? Uh, you'd mentioned uh, Mammoth, and I got to imagine uh, one that's pretty close to your heart that's uh, probably you're not going to be able to hit this year is uh, the, uh, the Vet World Championships at Glen Helen. Yeah, the Vet World Championship is always a good good uh, event. A lot of people from around the world. I met a lot of people last year from uh, Italy and Spain. I mean, guys just flying from everywhere. I probably won't be back in action by that time, but uh, that's a great event. I like hitting, uh, you know, Scott Burnsworth has a, uh, the SoCal Vintage Classic. Um, and the next one's the number seven year. So uh, it'll be at Glen Helen next May. I love going to that. I love uh, uh, the Don Matthews CD World Championship that's up in Marysville, Northern California. Um, that's a great event. It's, it's been going on now for three years. It's kind of like when I was growing up in their early 80s racing moto at uh, Saddleback, they used to have the CD World Championships. Guys like Gary Jones would race out there. and um, It's always a good time to go up and, and see all the different CZs. And now that I ride a CZ, which I always thought were the ugliest bikes possible when I was, you know, riding CR 500s and CR 250s in 83s and 84, 85s. Uh, I always thought a CZ and an AJS were just the ugliest bikes possible, and I've owned many of each one of them. Um, I also like going to uh, the Diamond Dons in Texas, uh, Jefferson, Texas, every year, a big arm event. Um Last year it rained. Uh, I've never raced moto in, in a mudder quite like that. Uh, but I, I ended up winning two classes and I had a great time. It's always a good, uh, great atmosphere, just a great time meeting, reading just tons of people. Uh, Rio Bravo this year in November is going to be awesome. Hopefully I'm, I'm good to go there. Um, I like to go to Utah. Uh, there's a big race up there. ABDR puts on Colorado is the same thing. I've raced in New Mexico, uh, mostly the Southwest and, uh, you know, I'll go East, uh, to Unadilla, uh, depending on the weather. And, um, my buddy Jay Estes that, uh, down in Florida, he rides in the sunset motorcycle club down there. And 
uh, he, he's asked me to come down and race, uh, down there this year, you know, this year's almost over for me by the time I get better. So I, I might run down there next year and check that out. But, uh, I, I hit every major race that's, that's pretty much uh, going on in, in the Southwest for sure. And uh, all the big ones with on also. Awesome. So, um, obviously, uh, it was uh, a little bit, uh, almost, uh, it was a good thing that you, you ended up uh, hurting yourself on the, the, the bike that you, is so easily to get new parts for. Uh, hopefully, your 450 is in still pretty good condition. Uh, and, of course, your vintage bikes are completely untouched. Um, once, uh, once you're all healed up, ready to go, uh, a, f- a fresh, fresh, uh, fresh helmet, fresh set of gear, and uh, look to be coming back looking better than ever? Absolutely. I'm ready to go now. Believe me, if I could take this cast off and not get my, my sutures in, in, uh, affected, you know, I'd be ready to go. I'd put it in a damn boot and go, but, uh, you know, my wife wouldn't like that and, and I know I'd be in trouble. So it's best just to follow the doctor's orders and pay attention for once and listen, you know, I've, I've cut off enough casts and had enough other injuries racing moto and motorcycles in general to, to know, Hey, as you get older, you don't heal as quick, but you're you're supposed to be a little more intelligent. Absolutely, and now it's it's an intelligent thing to go back to the the, the racing in, and, and it's good for your soul. Uh, for so many of those racers that uh, have moved on from racing uh, that uh, are looking to come back, how would you suggest they do so uh, uh, from a vintage standpoint? Um, like, would is there? Uh, um, Locally, is there, is there kind of a community that they can uh, look up, or uh, some people that they can kind of feed off of? And uh, how would you how would you suggest they get their feet wet in vintage racing? Well, it just depends. I think a lot of it depends on what part of the country they're in. Um, I know, you know, if you're in SoCal, you're going to race you race uh, Cal BMX. Uh, that's just the way it is. They they put on a, a great show, great tracks. Frank and Debbie are just awesome people. If you're going to be in Arizona, Dave Boydston, he runs ABDRA. There's all kinds of clubs all over the place. It's just you got to reach out and, and make an effort. Uh, social media has just, you know, expanded the, the world of BMX racing for sure, I think, because a lot of guys, you know, they're on their computers 24-7, and now with, a, with an iPhone, I never look at a normal computer. I look at an iPad once in a while, but I'm on my, my iPhone constantly. And I do everything for my iPhone, if you can believe that. So, I mean, if I can do it, you know, anybody can do it. It's just, uh, you know, I think getting into vintage motocross at an older age, I think you just take it one step at a time. You know, the biggest mistakes you'll make are the, are the first bikes you'll probably buy because you're trying to do it cheap, which is normal. And you're going to look on Craigslist, you're going to buy the, you know, the, the thousand dollar bike. And then you, if you, if you have some, uh, your way around a toolbox and the shop, you can make that bike into a winner. It's just investing your time and effort into it. Well, that's cool, man. Um, as far as your crew, your vintage crew, um, I know you got to have a bunch of guys that uh, you, you like to sit around the tailgates with, tell old stories uh, of which always continuously get more impressive as the years go on. Uh, who are some of those guys that uh, make this social sport so memorable for you? Well, I think, you know, my, my niche guys are, are guys here in Arizona because I, I hang out and I ride all the vintage races here. Um, and I, you know, some of us go to SoCal and race all the vintage stuff over there also. You know, 
my buddy Steve Roach, who's an old-time Carlsbad racer, who's 60 now, and he's still riding CZs like he was when he was 17. That's pretty awesome in itself. Uh, my friend Kevin Temple, who, who uh, his son used to ride. His son was in a horrible accident, and his son can't ride anymore, and he just felt the passion to get back into it himself and ride for him and his son. And, uh, you know, that's pretty neat. Uh, my buddy Ed Cavanaugh, uh, Dave Boydston, who, who runs, uh, ABDRA. Um, he puts on a great show and he's a, a passionate, uh, motorcyclist from the seventies that used to race at Saddleback and the expert pro class on 500s. I mean, he's just a great guy. Scott Burnsworth, who puts on a great show with us that is, vintage classic and then we'll go bar to bar race and uh at the same race or you know at a calvi mx race uh there's just so many guys i mean i was in mammoth and doug dubach and i went to grade school together and we touched bases and it was just uh it was just a good time lauren potcharowski who introduced his girlfriend introduced my wife to me and uh, you know i'm forever indebted indebted to him and there's there's a ton of people that I I could name, but it'd take all night. Well, that must be a pretty understanding wife of yours if she's uh, willing to let you uh, go risk life and limb out there on uh, some uh, some pretty special machines. Yeah, she's a pretty special woman. I I, I put her through the ringer racing motorcycles, believe me, and cars. So I I can't blame her when she says I think you should probably just ride vintage, <laughs> sell that modern bike. So. You know, sometimes it's just like, uh, it's probably better, better that I, I listen Fair to her. Enough. Well, uh, <laughs> um, good that she's still in favor of the bikes altogether. Uh, it's, it's no secret around here. Uh, my mom, not a huge fan of, uh, of the two wheeled machines. In fact, uh, all of our, all, all of our bikes that, uh, I think there's seven in uh, seven in total live in a, uh, a storage locker away from the house. They are not seen, they are not heard. Um, and, uh, that's the way it has to be here at the Gebhardt house. But, uh, yeah, it's good to hear that you've got uh, a supportive, uh, woman who, uh, no doubt has been nursing you back to health, uh, lots of ice cream and, and pudding. Yeah, you know, it was kind of, at first it was kind of like, remember that movie, Misery, you know, but the con, James Con was in, well, it was kind of like that in the beginning, but it's gotten better. So I'm I'm good now. I'm good. She's good. No baseball bats at the foot or anything. For sure. Well, um, I got to imagine you've got some supporters, some sponsors that help you along the way because, uh, you're, you're always looking fresh, um, uh, who, who, who do you have to thank as far as uh, some sponsors go? Who helps you out and make sure that those bikes are uh, on point uh, every single weekend? Well, uh, first and foremost is, uh, you know, Shock Socks has really helped me. Uh, Shan Garcia is a great guy. I met him at, at Diamond Dons and, uh, uh, years back, and I'm his biggest supporter. He's my biggest supporter, and I really appreciate his, his work and his effort that he helps me. Uh, RKS. Uh, suspension, uh, uh, two guys, MX graphics, those guys handle all my graphics on, uh, every bike that I have. They do a great job. Um, AMS racing, um, MAS, uh, racing motorcycle accessories shop. Uh, they, they help me with all of the parts. Um, DT one, uh, air filters, uh, King Coconut, I'm a big advocate about coconut water. 
and uh, how it replenishes the, and rehydrates yes. the body. And it's really helped me, you know, putting that potassium back. And they came on, and, and they're doing a great job helping me out. Um, um, Mika came on as a sponsor also, and uh, they're helping. Um, Old School Moto, they're a small company that uh, that builds uh, a lot of fabricated parts on, on some of my custom bikes. And uh, Barracuda Racing, Joe Coot, he, uh, he's a great guy, and he, he helps me uh, with a lot of different engine parts. And uh, I, I got a good cast and, and group of, of guys that help me out, and uh, I, it's very much appreciated. JT Racing uh, always comes through uh, and fly also. So uh, I'm pretty blessed. No doubt. Well, uh, I really appreciate you giving me some time to, to chat some moto, and uh, before I let you go... Um, how, how how close do you keep tabs on uh, the motocross industry and motocross racing in general, uh, the pro series, and uh, not only during your 25-year hiatus, but uh, also nowadays? Well, you know, I, I used to be totally into it, watching everything. Uh, Supercross kind of got boring for me uh, when uh, Philip Oda was beating everybody just recently, and now, you know, he's gone, and now it's Dungey. Um uh, Dungey's a clean-cut kid, though, because I can't say a darn bad thing about him. I like that kid. Um, I like I like uh, big guys like uh, Weston Pike. I think that kid, you know, he's a SoCal boy, and I, I like how he, he uh, handles a motorcycle. And he's not scared of anything, and he's not intimidated. And I think, you know, riding a motorcycle, you can't be that way. And he's the perfect guy to uh, to put in on point with Yamaha. Um, I like the outdoor outdoor stuff a lot better than Supercross. Supercross, you know, it's it's almost like a circus now. Uh, in my eyes, I'm old school, so it, you know, it, it's a bit different for me. I've seen. Uh, I was at the first Super Bowl of motocross, and I, you know, to go being being a, a, the the son of an editor to a, a motorcycle newspaper, it was kind of cool to see the transition all the way through the '70s into the '80s. Um, and now see it how it is. It's just you know, hey, I give a lot of credit to Monster and Rockstar and and uh, Red Bull. I just wish that uh, you know we could get some some natural products in there, like uh, King Coconut Water has a big sponsor because I think it would help them a lot more. These kids drink all the sugar. I don't know if it's that good. Yeah, it'd be. Uh, um, I, it I would only dream of a day where uh, there's a. Um, a guy on a podium that's actually drinking what's in the can. Uh, there may or very well could right. be coconut water in those monster cans. Uh, very much doubt that they're uh, that that it's, it's an energy drink of any kind, especially uh, after uh, like you see some of the guys drinking them after a, a, a heat race. I very much doubt they're going to put something like that in their bodies before they're going to go uh, bust out twenty laps or fifteen laps. But um, yeah, no, I totally agree with you. Uh, Supercross, although. Um, exciting at, to a point. It's cool to see the guys do what they do on motorcycles. But uh, as far as like my my watching of it, um, you get to know these riders so well. You get you watch all the events, and it almost becomes uh, like unless something spectacular happens, you're just like, yeah, that that's where that guy should land up. And like, uh, yeah, that's a he's a tenth place guy, so he should be in tenth. And like, you know what right. I mean? Like it, it all. It's, uh, it's 
Super yeah, predictable. Doom, very predictable, and uh, the the podium speeches are not nearly what they were back in the '90s and stuff like that. In fact, the sport's not what it was back in the '90s, but uh, um, a lot of things for the better. Um, appreciate you giving me some time, man. I love going down memory lane and just talking about moto, and uh, I think you uh, brought some really cool bits to the uh, to the surface. And um, we'll we'll definitely have you on again once the uh, the ankle's healed, and uh, we can uh, get your your take on uh, some vintage races. Hey, thanks, Brad. It's uh, my pleasure anytime, man. I I love to uh, reach out, and do anything I can to to uh, promote vintage motocross. That's for awesome. sure. Awesome. Well, you have yourself a great night. All right. Hey, thanks, Brad. Thank you for listening to the Big MX Podcast. Thank you for listening Brought to, to Big MX Brand Goggles. Brought to you by X Brand Goggles. Be sure to check out our archive for episodes you may have missed. Check out our website at BigMXRadio.com for more content.